Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. side of midnight i'm frank moreno monday is halloween and uh, i if you're like me i don't know how much time i'm actually going to spend doing this this weekend because we got the world series and got some trick-or-treating to do and some you know maybe even a halloween party to go to i'm going to try and vote early on saturday which i like to do but one of my favorite activities on halloween weekend especially frankenstein friday is to watch horror movies. And I, I always there's a, so many great horror films out there that I haven't seen, uh, but there's a lot of great ones that I've seen a hundred times, and I just can see them a hundred more. And one of them is the 1931 version of Frankenstein. There's a lot of great things uh, to like about this picture, and... I think right near the top of the list, beyond the story, which has just been great ever since Mary Shelley wrote it in book form, beyond the story, the the aspect of Frankenstein's monster in this film is simply without peer. And the person that really brought that monster to life was Boris Karloff. I am very pleased uh, to be joined by someone that has studied this uh, sphere for a long time. He's a performer, a writer, a TV host, a cinema historian, and producer of the documentary Boris Karloff, the man behind the monster, Ron McCluskey. Ron, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Morano, first of all, I have to tell you how terrific you are. Oh, well. But. You no no you you're the most important man in radio because you know who your audience is. I, I haven't the foggiest. Tell me, <laughs> your audience are the people that work the graveyard shift. <laughs> you're the that's the audience I want to get to, and man, you're the king. I love it. Well, uh, that's very kind of you to say, Ron. So, uh, Ron, for people that might not be familiar with uh with your background uh you've you've got a great uh, website where you uh talk about classic cinema it's uh classic movies with uh ron mccluskey uh and uh, there's some great stuff on there and i want to talk about the karloff documentary in just a minute but you do a, a lot of other things you you have sort of tell me about this website what are folks going to learn uh on uh classic movies with ron mccluskey well, here's the thing about me, Frank. I, I'm I'm a creative guy, and it's a blessing and a curse. You know, I, you know, I can't just be a regular fan and and watch a movie and whatever. I got to go out and I got to create things and do things and learn things. 
And the movies they made back then, I mean, just it, it, incredible. I mean, the 30s, 40s, and 50s, you know, Hollywood really had it right. And they, and they had movie stars and they had the Dream Factory. And just a lot of that, unfortunately, is lost today because some of the uh, films that are made and how they're made. But, boy, those actors were just great. So, so wonderful in what they did. And Karloff, Boris Karloff was, you know, it was really the American dream. I mean, he came to this country and wanted to act and fought his way and learned and just got better and better. And he was 44 before Frankenstein. I mean, you know, he was hardly making it. He should have quit, but he didn't. He said, no, this is what I want to do with my life. And it turned out to be a wonderful career for him. So um, before we talk about the Karloff documentary, you also do something called Adams Fest in uh, Westfield, New Jersey, where we have a a lot of listeners. Uh, I guess you're a fan of the Adams family, needless to say. Well, no, I, I, through life, I've been very, very blessed. And by just sheer coincidence, I was born in the same hometown as cartoonist Charles Adams, and that's Westfield, New Jersey. And Charles Adams uh, grew up in that town. He loved dark, creepy things in cemeteries. And he took that love for art and that monster word and world and combined it and created the Adams Family. In fact, you were talking before about uh, an academy you were denouncing, but there's now Nevermore Academy. And Nevermore Academy is where Wednesday Adams goes to school. And I just saw a preview, and it is great. It's excellent. It's going to be on Netflix November 23rd. Oh, great. Hey, so uh, if people want to learn more about Adams Fest or go to it, when is the next Adams Fest? Well, it's currently happening right now. It, It happens every single October, every year. This is the fifth year. And this coming weekend, and uh, there's so many things to do. There are, are art contests that the kids can do. There's a gallery wow. display where you can see Adam's work and his actual drawing board. And it's just great. And you learn all about the Adams family. And of course, everybody knows and loves the Adams family. And again, I got to compliment you on opening our segment with that Edgar Winter tune, Frankenstein. Well, yeah, no, it's a great, great tune. If people want to learn more about uh, Adams Fest, they can go to adamsfest.com and see the Correct. different events that are on there, the schedule events. It's fun. It's uh, Adams, obviously, with two Ds. All right. Uh, let us talk about uh, Boris Karloff. What sparked your interest in Karloff as a person, as an actor, as a subject of this documentary. There's a lot of old-school, great movie actors. Obviously, Lon Chaney, Lon Chaney Jr., Bela Lugosi, uh, Vincent Price. The list goes on and on. Why choose, and I watched the documentary, uh, and I thought it was uh, was terrific. We're going to tell people great. how they can see it in uh, in just a minute. But w- I could tell how much work went into this documentary. Why focus, of all people, on Karloff? Well, this was a passion for me for uh, when I was a little kid. I started at seven years old in 1962. I got my first Frankenstein model, and I just fell in love with it. Uh, during that time period, you have to realize you also had Famous Monster of Filmland, a great magazine on the newsstands, and you had the toy stores, the, the models in the toy stores, and then you had the movies late at night. They were shown 11 o'clock and midnight. I grew up in the New York area, so I had a guy named John Zachary as my host, and he just he just introduced me to all these wonderful films. And when you're a child and, and you're watching in the dark on this small black and white TV, Frankenstein, you, you just it, it really grips you. It really holds you. And as I got older and I started reading about the movie, I then learned about Boris Karloff and just a wonderful man and a wonderful actor. And and 
And the whole backstory to Frankenstein is interesting too, Frank, for the fact that Lugosi was the hit first in Dracula that came out earlier in 31. He was offered the role of the monster. He turned it down. James Whale, who was a British director, wanted to go a different way, a complete unknown. And he literally just picked Karloff and, and everything changed. So what were, you alluded to the fact that Karloff didn't achieve this incredible cinematic uh, success until his 40s. What Correct. was Karloff doing? What was life for Boris Karloff like before Frankenstein? I think a lot of us, even those of us that call ourselves fans of Karloff, in our view, life sort of began when he did that role of Frankenstein's monster. Before he appeared in the film Frankenstein, what was he doing with himself? Well, first of all, he grew up in England, and his whole family was into uh, the government service. And, and they did a lot for Britain in, in places like China and India. And his, his grandfather, his father, uh, most of all his brothers, they were all dedicated to doing this for, for England. In fact, one brother was knighted uh, by the Queen, and he was called Sir. Uh, another brother uh, knew and worked with Mahatma Gandhi. So very, very influential people. But he secretly wanted to act. That's what he wanted to do. And he said, if I'm going to do this, I don't want to do it here because if I fail – you know, it's going to embarrass my family. So he says, OK, I'm going to go to another country. So at age 21, he went to Montreal and he literally worked his way across the country learning how to act. And he just got better and better at it. By the time he got to Vancouver, Canada, he went down to San Francisco. He's acting. Someone says, hey, there's a new thing going on called talking movies or, or motion pictures go down there. So he went down there. And again, he started at the bottom, and he just worked his way up and got better and better. And then again, he had made 80 movies, Frank, 80 movies, and still was living from film to film. Wow. Uh, it's Frank absolutely inc incredible. Yeah. And it says a lot about the economics of uh, of motion pictures back then as well. We're talking with Ron McCluskey. He is a producer, a performer, a writer, a host. And uh, he's got this terrific documentary uh, called Bars Karloff, The Man Behind the Monster, which I've seen. It's great. It's got some great people interviewed for it. Some people that uh, you may not know, other people that are household names. Let's talk about uh, Karloff's portrayal of Frankenstein's monster. A lot of actors have played Frankenstein's monster over the years. I think going back over 100 years, we've seen... Different people try their hand at uh, Frankenstein's monster. Nobody quite did it like Karloff. As far as you're concerned, Ron, what was it that made Karloff's uh, portrayal of the monster so different and so unique as opposed to those folks that had played the monster before and after? Well, for in my opinion, it was it's a magical time. Um, it really took the geniuses of three people to create that image that we see. One is director Jack uh, James Whale, who was so important in getting this film made. Uh, the other was, and a lot of people don't talk about this man, Jack Pierce, who did the makeup. I mean, Jack Pierce was incredible. He did The Mummy, he did The Wolfman, and he did Frankenstein's Monster. And then, of course, Karloff himself. And as you see in that film, Frank, he not only is a great actor, but he could pantomime. He could perform without saying a word, and he he and the images, the images from that film were never done before. The creation scene, the the graveyard scene, the mob, you know, chasing the monster. 
he just had such pathos and, and children related to his character more than anyone else. And he used to get thousands of letters from children empathizing with the creature because, again, you know, when you're growing up, and this may have happened to you, Frank, sometimes you're all alone. You know, you kind of feel like, you know, nobody else gets what you get. And and and, and you felt that as a kid. And then as you got older and you found out thousands of people loved Karloff, thousands of bands. I mean, they have conventions all over the country. In fact, this weekend, Sarah Karloff will be in New Jersey at a convention called Chiller Theater. It starts later today, Friday, and it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you can meet Boris Karloff's daughter. That's cool, and she's terrific in this documentary. So um, this is uh, Sarah Karloff, and how can people wh- – where is the uh, documentary uh, – excuse me, where is the Chiller Theater? Where can people see this? Where can they meet her? Yeah, it's at the Parsippany Hilton, which is right off of Route 10 in Parsippany, New Jersey, and she's been attending this, I don't know, since 1995 or so. And I I started when I was younger and used to – and it's great, Frank. You meet old movie stars, old TV stars, and it's wonderful. And you get to interact That's with great. these people. And uh, So, yeah, so it's a great thing to do. And like I said, I could not have done this film without the help of Sarah Karloff. She was so important in getting this thing done, and I thank her very, very much. One of the things that uh, really spoke to me about Karloff's portrayal of the monster is the sort of incredible balance, and you, I think, just touched upon this a minute ago, is the incredible balance between him being scared and also him being someone that you sympathized with. Uh, I think a lot of us could be scared by Bela Lugosi's portrayal of uh, Count Dracula but you don't necessarily ever find yourself feeling bad for him. Frankenstein's monster, while he might be scary, you do feel feel for him when he's being traced by villagers and things like that. And the fact that Karloff is able to convey those emotions without any dialogue, to me, it has got to be one of the greatest acting performances in history. Oh, no, I agree. And and the book is, is also very, very powerful. The original uh, novel written by, believe it or not, a teenage girl, <laughs> Mary Shelley. Uh, in, in her book, she has the creature killing strictly out of revenge and it, her his hatred for how the world has treated him. And the book, in my opinion, I don't want to get too heavy here, but the book, in my opinion, is one of the greatest books of prejudice ever written. Because it's a story of a creature that was not loved or, or embraced strictly because of his appearance. That's it. Now, in the movie, they decided to take that same thing. And again, I can't believe how how Hollywood, 1931, could take that, that same theme and turn it into a movie, which is just uh, so wonderful. I mm-hmm. mean, you're right. I mean, the, the way he – I mean, he kills people in the movie, but sometimes it's out of self-defense or by accident. Right. And, and and the scene with the little girl at the lake, I mean, that was strictly an accident. And again, you just felt so bad. Now, if you took that film and you combined it with The Bride of Frankenstein and a lot of people, what they do now with The Godfathers, they show one and two together as one movie. And people go, oh, my God, look at Al Pacino. Look at what he did. Well, you you have to say the same thing with Karloff because he does such a performance from that first film to the Bride of Frankenstein. It's just, it, it's it, it's a lesson in acting. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. I found myself 
in addition to watching the documentary, last weekend I found myself watching uh, Bride of Frankenstein. Um, <laughs> and it, it holds up just as well uh, these days as it did 90 years ago. Well, obviously, I think those are probably the two best-known Karloff takes on Frankenstein's monster. He played the monster in a number of other films as well. Some were great, some were mediocre, some were not so great. If you had to pick... What is the, beyond those first two, because those James Whale versions of uh, Frankenstein and the Bride of Frankenstein are just without peer. But if you had to pick, of all the other Karloff Frankenstein films, what's the best? What's the worst? Well, a lot of people, for some reason, do not like Frankenstein 1970. I love it. It's a great film. It has one of the best openings of a horror film of all time. And then there's a scene where Karloff is down at the uh, catacombs and he's talking about the Frankenstein family. And, and it's just a wonderful performance. He was also great in the House of Frankenstein. And he was also great <laughs> in a, a film I don't know if you ever saw called Mad Monster Party, which was an animated uh, film. And Karloff played Baron Frankenstein in that. But, Frank, this guy, he, he made a film called The Black Room, which is amazing about an evil twin and a good twin. He made a movie called The uh, Body Snatcher, and both of those should – he should have been nominated for mm. an Academy Award. But back then, people didn't look at horror films the way, the way they do today. Yeah, You know, it's uh, great points all. And one of the things I really enjoyed about your documentary, The uh, the Man Behind the Monster, is that I ended up learning and getting my interest peaked in a number of other non-Frankenstein Karloff films, for instance, Targets, I uh, learned yeah. about through your documentary, and I'm making a point to see that now. Um, so uh, so Frankenstein 1970, it sounds like that would be your vote for underrated. Sounds like you give pretty yeah. high, remar- high marks to House of Frankenstein. That being said, if you had to pick worst Frankenstein film that Karlo- Karloff plays the monster in, what is it? Well, you know, he, he he made some films with Abbott Costello, which was kind of low grade for him. He he didn't appreciate their humor, so he was he wasn't in Abbott Costello meet Frankenstein, which I thought was a very good film. But he had to do publicity for them. Um, I don't know another Frankenstein well, ex- film. Explain that... explain to me how that works. Why why if he wasn't in the film, did he have to do publicity for it? Well, because <laughs> Universal was smart enough to know that if they associate Karloff with the film, then they're going to think that Karloff's playing the monster. Mm. But it wasn't. It was Glenn Strange. So they were smart. <laughs> In fact, Karloff actually says, says, I'll do the publicity as long as I don't have to watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> because, but- see, and here's the other great thing about him being an actor, and I know I'm diverging a little bit from your question, so I'm sorry. But he cared so much about that character that he created he felt that after the son of Frankenstein, it couldn't go any further. Not mm. not with him. Not not with him as the actor. He just felt, you know, it, it, the monster was not going to be looked at the same anymore. So he actually turned it down and, and said, no, I can't do this anymore. If you want me to be somebody else or do something else in a Frankenstein film, I will. So, again, at least he had the integrity to say, hey, this is what I think was done. It was done right. You know, let's not screw it up and let me move on to something else. I actually really enjoyed the film Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. That's where, um, uh, obviously, those two iconic monsters uh, meet uh, with one another. And Bella Lugosi, 
uh, plays the monster in in that film. Bella Lugosi spoke uh, very openly about the fact that he wasn't crazy about playing Frankenstein. As you mentioned, he turned down this role when it was offered to right. him in 1931. What is it about Lugosi's portrayal of the monster that just didn't seem to work as it might have for Karloff? Well, I'll tell you what. There's good news and bad news about Bela Lugosi, as far as I'm concerned. The bad news is he never learned the English language that well, and he kind of kept with his own people and didn't learn how to expand more in the business. You know, he was a a good actor, but the business-wise, unfortunately, he just couldn't do things up to the same level as Karloff. So with him betraying the monster finally, it, it, it just was terrible. It was a terrible performance. That's the bad news. Here's the great news, and most people don't even realize it's the same actor. Nobody played Igor better than Bela Lugosi. Mm. Mm. And uh, most people don't know. They go, that way with that's Lugosi? <laughs> it's a great point. I'm, I'm way late here, but I have to ask you this. Sure. Their two careers have been so intertwined, Lugosi and Karloff. What was their right. relationship like with one another? Well, they they kind of knew each other. Again, they didn't socialize in the same circles. And, uh, you know, after a while, uh, uh, Karloff felt sorry. He used to call him poor Bella. And, you know, he, he would get in films, but unfortunately they were all low-grade films and monogram films and films that weren't very well done. But he needed the money, you know, so he needed the money and he went on and did things, but it just, he, he never equaled. But, you know, Hollywood's done that a lot, Frank. Sure. I mean, you know, they did that with Kelly and Astaire, you know, with John Wayne and other Western actors. You know, they always tried to create something going on. So they wanted to say there was a rivalry, but there really wasn't. Karloff, to me, was hands and soldiers above uh, Lugosi. Was um, was uh, Karloff typecast after playing the monster? Yeah, you know what? He was, but he said the monster was the best friend I ever had. Because he embraced it, he know he said, "Look, this is how people look at me, so I'm going to go ahead and do this." But if you look at his career, which we point out in the documentary, I mean, this was this man was on radio, live television. He was on Broadway, nominated for a grant uh, for a Tony, won the Grammy. I mean, this guy. And, and again, he did three things that most people hope for in a lifetime. He did three things that will stand out forever. First of all, he was the monster in Frankenstein, which will always be part of film history. He was in Arsenic and Old Lace on Broadway in a role written just for him. And then he's the voice of the Grinch and how the Grinch stole Christmas. Yeah, no, it went, the next time you come back, we have to talk about what that did for his career. Most important question, Ron, how can people yeah. see the documentary? Well, there's several ways. First of all, it is currently streaming on two services, Tubi, which is T-U-B-I, and Shudder. And then it just came out on uh, Blue, uh, Blu-ray and uh, on DVD. And you can get it at Amazon, at Best Buy, and at Walmart. All right, so people should search Boris Karloff, the man behind the monster. Ron McCloskey, thanks so much. Let's talk again soon. Thank you, Fran, and thank you for all your audience members. I love them. Uh, well, hey, uh, the graveyard shift, as you said. <laughs> uh, if you want to comment on any portion of my conversation with Ron McCloskey, you're welcome to. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. 